Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. And help me welcome our internet family, if you would. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, let me take care of a couple of things, and uh, then we'll get into our teaching today. First of all, my heart, I'm sure yours as well, is still saddened and broken over the tragic events that happened last week in uh, Sutherland Springs, Texas, little First Baptist Church there. Our hearts are broken over that. Please pray. Continue to pray for that community and the families, um, you know, touched by such a situation. Um, I want to encourage you to pray um, just for safety and for peace. The Bible says that we can do that so we can live a quiet and undisturbed life. The Bible also talks about holding back lawlessness, and I believe that prayer is a major part of that. As your pastor today, though, I wanted to, to speak to you just a moment to reassure you that we have just, uh, we put an incredible amount of effort and attention and investment into your safety and security here. We want you, as you come and as you go every time, that this is safe, but it is also welcoming. And there's a balance that goes with that. And so uh, we're constantly reviewing what we're doing, revising what we're doing. We made a few little tweaks this week, uh, and I don't even need to draw attention to them. I want to assure you that we have security and safety um, seen and unseen. And um, that we want to make sure that your kids are safe, that the hallways are safe, that you are, we're safe in here, that your cars are safe. You know, the whole experience, again, could be safe and, and welcoming. We have our own safety teams that are working all the time. And then we have our uh, uh, incredible deputies from the Marion County Sheriff's Office, and we're thankful for them. Absolutely. So thank you for your cooperation. Thank you for your prayers. And, you know, sometimes as our world keeps changing, sometimes we have to continue to make adjustments so that we can uh, keep that safety and keep this a good event. But you're in a good place, and uh, we're thankful today. And always precede it with prayer. Precede everything with prayer. And God knows how to hold back lawlessness and the plans of the enemy. Amen? All right. Last week, I shared with you, and we've done this the last couple of falls, where I've shared with you um, some vision initiatives and projects that we were undertaking. The only reason we would undertake them is we feel like God leading us to do those things. And uh, I shared with you a little more in detail last week than I will today some of the things that we launched last week. We were able to complete those and pay for those completely because of your generosity, and so thank you for that. One of the uh, initiatives that we uh, talked about last fall was going multi-site. What multi-site means is that we would launch another campus of Meadowbrook Church. And we said we would do that within 18 to 24 months. And uh, so it's going to be right at the 24-month mark. That will be our focus for this fall uh, going into next year. And we'll launch in September of of 2018. So multi-site... Uh, like I said, again, it's one church, but we would have numerous locations, and this will be our first uh, uh, endeavor at this. It's being done all over the nation. You would not believe how successful it is, um, unreal how it is reaching people and helping churches to, to get the message out in, in uh, some new ways to do that. I've been a little slow to do it. 
uh, because I wanted to just make sure, number one, that God was calling us to do it, and then secondly, that we're able to do it right. And uh, I don't, I'm just this way. I don't want to do things just because everybody else is doing it. I want to make sure it's, you know, our time and God's plan for us. And so we do feel it is that time. We have researched well. We've had consultants in. As I told you, uh, we had one of the leading consultants in just a couple months ago asking him, are we ready? And for him to kind of, you know, dig down. And I, I just love his reply. He's, he, as far as us being ready to go multi-site, we are 11 months pregnant, he said. So... <laughs> So that's a good, good sign. Um, uh, how many of you know you don't want to stay 11 months pregnant, though? And um, the big thing for me is not what, what we do, but why we would do it. And, and please hear this. And the, there's not an ounce of religion in this. This is reality for us. Why would we do this? I'll tell you why. Because people are hurting. Families are fractured. Jesus is the answer. And church done right, not just church, but church done right is the hope of the world. And I believe that's God's plan A. That is our entire focus is to do church right. And here's the thing. In our community, it's estimated that close to 75% of Marion County do not attend church. That means over a quarter of a million people are not going to church. So we're not encroaching on anybody else. Um, God has put some favor on Meadowbrook. We want to leverage that as far as we can. Le- um, uh, favor is always for a purpose. And uh, we want to reach people, uh, people that are hurting, people that are lost, people that are wandering, uh, people that have never been to church, and then people that got fed up with church. And uh, we want to signal, hey, come home and, and uh, you know, get back into a relationship with God and the family of God. And so those are some of our reasons for that. Let me go over the slides I showed with you last week because here's the reality. Over a third, this is, these are current statistics, over a third, every time a church gathers together in our culture, over a third are missing, okay? So some of y'all weren't here last week. I'm not going to ask where you were. I'm just glad that you're here today. And, um, you know, there's that rotation of that going on. So we want to make sure everybody's up to speed. Um, so here's Meadowbrook Church. The gray circle indicates pretty much Ocala proper. Uh, go to the next slide if you would. This shows um, homes. These are homes that actively attend Meadowbrook. There are many, many more outside of uh, this slide. Here's the church. Here is Southwest um, Ocala. Here is East Ocala. Notice these are two very uh, areas that are heavily concentrated. And these uh, are presently active. We have these uh, stats through our giving, through our NBC Kids, and then also through active Dream Team members. Um, go ahead to the next one, if you would. I started to say, too, some people say, well, bring one out our way or our way, and it's all these different areas, and we will just be led, and, and we will be strategic, and hold on, because we might be coming your way, okay? Um, but we feel, here's the east, East Ocala, here's the hospitals, Jervy Gant, Baseline, um, and right in this circle are over 1,800 people who attend Meadowbrook Church. So there's over 1,800 that drive, come to Meadowbrook Church that live in in the east. Um, The average size of the church in the country right now is 86. Did you hear that? 86. And so this is over 1,800 people. Um, This does not mean, and we are launching in the east. You'll see that in just a moment. That does not mean that if you live in the east, you have to go there. I had two ladies tell me earlier today, I'm coming right here. I'm not going anywhere. And so... (laughs) 
I said, and that's, that's fine. And just hugged him. It's okay. You, you know, probably don't want you there. Want you here, you know? Um, but we'll strategically go about it and, and be led. And, but my point is with that many people out there, here's the whole goal is to make it hard for people to go to hell, make it easy for them to go to church, and make it easy for us to invite our friends and neighbors to come. Because of that many of us there, we have neighbors and friends and coworkers and so forth. And rather than saying, hey, 25, 30 minutes this way, five or 10 minutes this way. And, and the whole goal then is, of course, to invite them to come in. So here is um, uh, East Ocala. Go ahead to the next slide. So in September of 2018, we'll be launching an East Campus of Meadowbrook Church. Go ahead to the next one if you would. So this coming Sunday, everybody say Sunday, as in this next Sunday. That's when this vision offering will take place. We're going to take six months though, okay? We're going to take six months starting Sunday. That will be the launch of that offering, and we'll go into about May. And come up May, we need to be all in place so we can start ordering things, getting everything in place. We do not have our exact location yet. We have a number of possibilities we're looking at, but we have enough clearance in our heart that... Uh, we're headed that way in September. So the offering, um, and I'm going to ask everybody, everybody say everybody. Ask everybody to do your part. That's the way your body works. That's the way all of this is designed is that every part does its part. Every person does their share. And when that happens, it, it will all come together. Um, the other thing is that offering needs to be over and above. Say that with me, over and above. Because if we rob Peter to pay Paul, if you take what you're currently giving for the regular ongoing ministry and you divert that over, then that, that puts, puts at risk what we're doing right here. And we can't, we can't hinder what we're doing here in order to do that. And I think you understand that. So everybody do their part over and above. We're not doing pledge cards. I'm not going to come knock on your door. We're not going to have special dinners and call you in and stare you down how much you're going to give. We're not going to do any of those things. I, I trust you. I trust God that he can speak to each one of us as we just ask him, Lord, what do you want us to do? And then he'll, he'll put that in your heart. He's not going to ask you to do what he's not going to provide for you to do. And then as every one of us do that, just like we've done with m multiple other campaigns, we'll be able to get this all done. We can do this. Not only can we do this, we must do this because it's something God is, is calling us to do. So if you want to do that in one, one time um, or over, divide it up. My wife and I, we're going to divide it up over about six months. And uh, you can do that as well. And, uh, but I just believe this with all my heart. All of us together, we can do this and we'll get this done. So the cost to launch the campus and then operate it for the first year is right at, go to the next slide, please, $1.2 million. And that's way too much for me. That's way too much for you, 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 and you. But that's, uh, that's an easy do with all of us together. We're enough people, enough resources. Everybody do their part. We're going to be able to do it. And then the good news about the 1.2, I shared with you last week, there's already $450,000 toward that. And uh, I'm super, super excited about that. And that money is there because we told you about it last fall and you began giving toward it. And um, so thank you for that in advance. That gives us a good running start. And uh, we're going to get this done and watch what God will do. Now, this will be a video venue. And um, by that, let me explain real quick. We'll have, you know, where, we, uh, where we'll be meeting, having, having uh, Meadowbrook. And everything will be live. Um, 
from parking lot all the way through, NBC Kids, Dream Team, Worship Team, all of that is live. Live campus pastor, campus teams, all of those things will be there. But the message will be by way of video. And uh, you say, well, I don't know if that works or not. Trust me, that is working like you would not believe all over the country. And here's the other thing. You never look at me anyway. (laughs) You're always looking up there. And um, it it will work. It works and it will work well for us. And so um, that helps us just all the way through. So that give you a little bit of idea. We're going to, we'll keep you up to speed on all the details as they unfold and exciting days are ahead. And we're going to launch with a big offering next Sunday at the end of service. Amen. All right, well, let's get into the word this morning. Everybody say impact. Impact. And we're doing just a short three-week series on impact to kind of coincide with this. We are all wired for impact. We're made for that. Whether you knew it or not, you're a maven, okay? In case you didn't know what a maven is, a maven learns something, a maven then has to share it, okay? My wife is an extreme maven. You know, and so anything she reads or learns or listens to a podcast, you know, I know when I, she comes around the corner, she's going to fill me in. You know, she's a maven. All of us are mavens. Uh, we were at a, a restaurant the other night, and I'm looking, just reading the label on the ingredients on a steak, so- uh, steak sauce, and it had raisins in it. And I had to let everybody know, did you know that this steak sauce has raisins? I'm sure I changed their, you know, changed their day. But we're made that way. We're wired for impact. We're wired to be impacted, and then we're wired to impact. And so as it comes to us, then we impact. And we tend to impact others with what impacted us. So if something impacts us, that's how we impact others. So if we've been impacted bad in in a way that is wrong or hurtful, we need to let Jesus help us with that and set us free and help us so that we don't continue that that impact onto others. We put it this way, hurt people, hurt people. But encourage people, encourage people. And so something will impact you. Maybe it made you laugh. Maybe it made you cry. Maybe it inspired you or moved you or, you know, stirred you in some way or informed you in some way. And here's what you do. You, you take it in, it impacts you, and then you pass it on. You impact others. Um, I saw something this week online. I've watched this about three or four times, and it just made me giggle. It just kind of cracked me up, and I thought, you know what? It impacted me. I want to pass that on. So look at this real quick, if you want. I'll have what she's having, you know, <laughs> but that impact me and things like that happen. You know, I hear a truth or hear a joke or whatever, and you want to pass it on. We are wired for that. Look with me in scripture real quick in second Corinthians chapter one, second Corinthians. There we go. Praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Watch carefully now who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can be comfortable. No. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can what? 
so we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So we've been impacted by the comfort, the strength, the encouragement, the sustaining help of God. That's what that comfort is there. We were impacted by that, not just so that we could be helped. We're helped so that we can so that we can help. We're comforted so that we can comfort. We've been impacted so that we can impact others. And that is by design that God does that. Now, let me say this very personally here, and please hear this. I have been, I'm just going to talk for myself. I have been deeply and personally impacted, profoundly impacted by the incredible goodness of God to me. I hope, I, I think that you can say that about yourself. You know, I'm thinking about so many things. I'm coming up on almost two years since I, I'm back up a little bit, almost two years <laughs> since I had my accident and I broke my back and I crushed my arm and, and that things could be a whole lot different than what they are right now. And I'm just, I am so, all I have to say is God is good. God is good. And then beyond that, every day, every day I get up and his mercies are new. And when I blow it, and I do, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses me from my sins. And he's merciful and he's kind. He provides for me. My family is blessed. My family is healthy. Good things are going on. There's favor on my life. And one day when the whole shooting match is over, I'm going to heaven, y'all. And I have help in the meantime. So I'm deeply, profoundly impacted by the goodness of God. And that impacts me in such a way, and this is what I shared with you last week, that creates uh, gratitude on the inside of us. So now think again, what impacts us is what we use to impact others. And you're wired for that. Something's wrong and broken with you if, you know, something impacts you and you don't impact others with that. So here's what impacts us, goodness. Goodness impacts us, God's goodness. And then that creates within us gratitude. Now, if in fact we impact others with what impacted us, we're going to impact them with goodness, which was God's plan all along that goodness would come to us and through us. And so as he impacts us with his goodness, and then we have grateful hearts, we pass on goodness to others, and that, by definition, is generosity. Generosity. Another way to say it is when anything flows from a thankful heart to others, that's that's generosity. You know, sometimes maybe somebody could give something or do something out of their excess, out of their surplus, and we go, wow, that was generous. It may not have been generous. It may not have been generous. You know, what is generous is when it comes from a grateful heart and we impact others in that way. So what I want to talk to you today is not just so much about generous giving. Of course, we need to prepare ourselves. The Bible, it's a very much a Bible thing that you prepare yourself and you prepare an offering for what God has called us as a church family to do. But beyond that, I want to I talk to you about generous living, that we live in such a way that out of the goodness of God, a grateful heart, we're able to pass on that goodness to people all around us. And the Bible says that God is even kind to the unthankful and to the evil. What the thing, the, the thing for us is not for us to decide who qualifies for any goodness to come out of our life, but instead just the unconditional love and goodness of God through us. It's the goodness of God that causes people to turn to God. Amen? All right, let's look at a couple of things here. 
In John chapter eight, uh, 12, rather, there's a dinner, and um, John is writing about it in the Gospel of John. Martha is in the cook- kitchen cooking, and um, Mary's there. Jesus is at the dinner. Uh, some other VIPs are there, and one of them is Lazarus. Well, just before dinner gets started, Mary comes over, and she opens this uh, container, and it has this very, very expensive, it's called spikenard. It's a, it's a perfumed ointment, oil, and she pours it on Jesus' feet, and then she dries his feet with her hair. It's extremely expensive. It cost about 300 denarii, which would be the equivalent. A, a denarii is one day's wages. So when you factor in weekends, Sabbaths, and so forth, this was a year's wages worth. And so this generous, extravagant, lavish act toward Jesus that she poured this out upon his feet. Um, uh, Judas is there, and he doesn't get it. You know why? Because he doesn't have gratitude in his heart. He didn't get it at all. I go, why would you do this when we could, we could sell this? We could put this on eBay. <laughs> why did she do it? Why did she do it? I'll tell you why she did it. Gratitude. Gratitude for what? That Lazarus, her brother, who is dead, has been raised from the dead, and he's sitting at the table right there. And she, out of the goodness of God, she had to express her gratitude, and it showed up in the form of, of generosity. Are you following me? Look with me in Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25. Proverbs 11. There's one who scatters. This is, this is agricultural. This is farming talk. And I can share it with you because I am a retired gardener. Okay. <laughs> there's one who scatters, yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul, say that's me, The generous soul will be made rich or enriched, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Watch the pattern. Now look at in the message, uh, paraphrase. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. Remember, we're talking about generosity, generous living. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Now, when you're generous, you will bless others. And when you bless others, you will be blessed. But look at me. Take note. I resist the idea of a gospel where we give so we can get. That's out there. Let's keep it out there. That is not the gospel. We don't give so we can get. Nor, or let me put it this way, I also resist the notion of any form of Christian stewardship that we have to give. And that's fear and works-based. So it's not a matter we give so we, so we can get, and it's not a matter of we have to give. Here's the reality. We get to give. And even what we give came from him. And so when we do give, though, some certain things are put into motion. Give, and it will be given. 
You give and you receive. There's seed time and harvest. There's sowing and reaping. We read in these passages, you bless others, you're going to be abundantly blessed. You help others, you're going to be helped. You water others, you're going to be watered. But this is never our motivation. This is byproduct. This happens. We know it. We're intelligent to the fact that that happens. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. We don't want to just be blessed. We understand the purpose of the blessing is to be a blessing. And get this though. And then when you go ahead and be a blessing, what happens? You get blessed. So what you want to do is just get into the cycle of it all and realize the purpose. As soon as you forget the purpose of this cycle, you'll mess it up for yourself. What you want to do is get into the flow of things is I want to be blessed so I'm blessed. No, I want to be blessed so I can be a, be a blessing. And then as you are a blessing, I know I'm repeating myself, but then when you are a blessing, you will be blessed again. So what's going on with this? What's going on with this? Look right here. Look right here. When you make it your aim to be generous, God will make sure that you are always able to be generous. Read it with me. When you make it your aim to be generous, God will make sure that you are always able to be generous. You make it your aim to be rich or just blessed or this or that. Mm -mm. The whole goal, the life that God has, what he wants to be taking place is his goodness to come to you, you to have a grateful heart, his goodness to go through you and to keep that all going. God finances that. God empowers that. God resources that. You're blessed so you can be a blessing, then you're a blessing and you get blessed. Why? So you can be a blessing. Amen. Now, look with me quickly in... um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's about six verses. It won't hurt you. <laughs> Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. That makes sense. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. That makes sense. Go ahead. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Have to give. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That's coming out of a grateful heart. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. This is incredible. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. He starts the whole thing. And then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be... I I want you to see it again. Yes, you will be enriched in every way. This whole thing that we've just been reading, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God, and the cycle continues. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. Let me put it in context real quick. 
Paul, right in 2 Corinthians 9, he's talking to the church at Corinth. The believers or the church in Jerusalem were under heavy persecution. They weren't able to work. They were hiding, many of them. It was, it was rough for them. They were in great, great need. So the ministry project that they were talking about here was we've got to help our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, okay? So he says two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Now let me just ask you a question. I'll go back to verse 6 here. Um, in one translation, it says some, some so sparingly or stingily others do bountifully or abundantly and then we see in here that God replenishes one of them who do you think God is going to replenish the stingy or the generous it's the generous why is that because when you make it your business when you make it your aim that I want to be generous God will make sure that you are always able to be generous amen and I believe this that The bottom line is it's all God's. It's all God's. One way that we can kind of measure that, it's all God's. Well, look at this. One way is what we call T4. T4. And let me get this in front of your eyes. It's your time, your talent, your treasure, and your touch. Read this with me. Your time, your talent, your treasure, and your touch. You should be generous with with all of those. And when we use our resources, our time, our talent, our treasure, our touch, when you, we use that in a way for God's purposes, when we use that for the advancement of his kingdom, when we use those and put him first, Matthew 6, 33, 2 Chronicles 26, 5, when you put him first, he's going to help you with the rest. How many of you have ever had God help you? You should have been here earlier. It's like everybody, you know. <laughs> How many of you have ever had God help you before? Come on, come on. And you know what? I've had him help me, and I've watched him help, help other people too when they weren't really cooperating. You know what that's called? Mercy. That's mercy. But you can position yourself. There's some people always in need of a miracle. I've got to have a miracle. got to have a miracle. got to have a miracle. It's better to live by blessing. It's better to live by obedience and, and lining your life up with God, and it's a little more predictable. But I've had it happen all the different ways. And here's the thing that I know, that when I put God first, he helps me with the rest. And he often does it in ways that I can't explain. He often does it in ways that are supernatural. Have any of you ever had God come through for you in a way you couldn't explain? Wow, that got taken care of. The thing you worried about, now it's taken care of. God is able to do that, and he's best able to do that, and more inclined to do that when we put him first. Again, uh, when we make it our aim, to, to advance God's kingdom, to do things God's way, and to be generous, giving, generous, living, God will make sure that you're always able to be generous. Amen. Look in Luke chapter 16, verse 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Now, this is a, a little thick for us here. I want to break it down just a little bit. You make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. Does anybody know what mammon is? It's money. It's money. And unrighteous, it just simply means it's certainly not righteous. Money takes on the persona of whoever controls it. You probably have some money in your wallet and your purse right now that a week ago was in a drug dealer's hand. Or a Girl Scout selling Girl Scout cookies hand. You know, it just takes on the use and the purpose of whoever has it. Okay? But use it. Everybody say use it. 
Use it in such a way to make friends so that when you fail, when you die, when you pass away, he's writing to believers here, that when you pass away, they, who? The friends you made through using money in the right way may receive you into an everlasting home. Where's your everlasting home? It's in heaven. It's in heaven. So the friends you made weren't bribing people. Will you please be my friend? It's not that. It's you're using money, you're using resources in such a way to help people to know God so that one day they could go to heaven. And if they precede you into heaven, they're going to thank you when you get to heaven that you used what you were entrusted with to help them make their way to heaven. Are you all with me? So we use money for righteous and eternal purposes. We use money to bring people the best way we can to God and a knowledge of Jesus. And then when you die, they welcome you into heaven. So, and, the, and I say this figure of speech. You ready for this? Only God can turn money into souls. Thus, the battle over money. And the enemy knows that. And the enemy knows that ministry fully funded. Ministry endeavors funded. Church done right means more souls. Are y'all hearing me? Means more souls in heaven. So the battle is there. So let me go ahead and put it to you this way. Your giving is not just worship. Your giving is actually warfare. And the first battle waged against harvest happens at seed time. Because if the seed never gets planted, there will never be a harvest. So we're not just going to worship God with our living. We're not just going to worship God with our giving. We're going to war, baby. We're going to win the battle there. And get ourselves to seed time. And God will get us to harvest time. What's at stake right now in my mind? There's a quarter of a million people. God, please, please let us try to reach a few more people in in our community. Let's do that. Let's do that. I want others impacted with the same goodness of God that I've found in my life. How's he going to do it? He's going to do it through you and I. Generous giving, generous living. Let me just wrap that up with this this morning too. You and I are not, I don't want to hurt your feelings right at the end of service. You and I are not naturally generous. We don't just drift into generosity. We don't have to teach our kids to say, mine, right? You don't have to train your children to tug a war over a teddy bear or a doll or anything. We don't have to train them to do it. They naturally do that. But what we have to be is reminded Awaken to the fact God has been good to me. I want to remind you today, God has been good to you. And what that should stir inside of you is a gratitude and then remembering how you're wired for impact. He's been good to me, I will be good. Where people have been mean to you, evil to you, cut you off, done all of those things in your life, you need to let God deal with, you, deal with that in your heart and don't pass it on. Let's don't pass the junk on. Let's pass the goodness of God and the goodness of people that have happened to us. Let's pass that on to others. Live generously. Live generously. We do that in a million ways throughout the day. The other day I was in the grocery store, and I think I have everything that I need, and I'm pushing up to go to 
the checkout lane, cashiers waiting, and this lady, I see her in my peripheral vision, is going to cut me off. She is going to get into that lane. And I thought, not today, lady. No, I, I thought, I could bump her, I could beat her. I thought, that looked really good. Went all six foot four of me, you know, in the, in the grocery store. Oh, there go. I think I saw my pastor in a fight at the grocery store. You know, I could have bumped her, I could, I, all those things. And I thought, no, you need it more than I do. And just give way. Just live generously. I could have been all uptight about it and in the store. And then when I got home, Lisa goes, what's wrong with you? Lady cut me off at a grocery store. You know what? Hey, God's been so good to us. We can afford to let some things go. You can afford to be generous. You can afford to be kind to people. But I did give her dirty looks. No, I didn't. I did. I did not. And there is the blessing. There's the blessing of just saying, give you a break. Give you some space. Live generously. And if I can be so humble and bold at the same time, and as your pastor for what I feel with all my heart, God is calling us to do in this community. I'm asking you also to give generously. Will you just do this this week? Just go before God and say, God, what do you want me to do? Ask him what that is. You follow through on that and watch what God will do. More than that, because that's all going to kind of come and go, the events of all of that, I want to call you to generous living, starting right now and then on your way out even today. Make sure that you let the goodness of God that impacted you, let it impact the people around you. Amen? i got to stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this today? All right. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.